dun 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 dun. Welcome to Drawn Out, a podcast about uh, Disney animated films. I am your host, Brooke. I'm your other host, Chase. Um, we're finally back to recording. Yeah, it's it's been a while. When we started, we were four to six weeks ahead. Yeah, now we are at the skin of our teeth. We're recording it Saturday. We're going up Tuesday. Um, I have to absolutely go into the drama of why we're so late. Yes, it, it, oh it has God. been an ordeal. Um, yeah, so we haven't recorded in like four weeks um, because Melody Time is in the vault. And I'm very insistent that we watch all of these movies legally. So I went and I found a copy of Melody Time that I'm able to access through the Disney Movie Club. Um, so I ordered it, and it took, like, three weeks to arrive. Mm -hmm. So we were like, okay, well, that's fine. We're a couple weeks ahead still. And then when I opened my package, there was nothing inside, because the package had already been torn open. And so it wasn't just Melody Time that I lost out on. It was Oliver and Company and my replacement copy of Tangled, because I lost that somewhere. So I was really not happy and obviously, like, called. And of course, like... And they took your pin, too, right? Yeah, yeah. It also got in, because I'm part of Disney Movie Club. I get the cool stuff. So, you know, Disney Movie Club. Pretty great. Um, but I had, like, a Simba enamel pin that I got for ordering a movie. Um, and it's a gorgeous, gorgeous pin. Um, so, yeah, nothing was in my package except my invoice. <laughs> so, yeah, that was great. But, I mean, like... Disney Movie Club was great. They, like, just automatically replaced it. And they were like, hey, oh, okay, sorry that happened. Probably talk to your post office about it. We'll send you these with, like, expedited shipping and blah, blah, blah. But so that was still another week that I had to wait to get it. And then we were finally able to record today. And I'm very, very happy. Yep. Um, and now we have a copy of Oliver and Company as well. Yay! So that's great for future things. I haven't seen that one, so I'm looking forward to that. <sighs> I think I only watch it, like, my college Disney movie run. Oh, which... you know what? I think maybe I've seen parts of it once, but we yeah. never had it. So we never had it either. Mm -hmm. But also, I thought of Pocahontas. Because when we popped in uh, the Melody Time DVD, it is from the year 2000. Um, so all of the trailers were 2000 trailers. Um, and Pocahontas was one of those things oh on the trailer. Goodness. And we were like... And it was just like a moment of like, oh, I haven't actually seen this movie, except I think once in college. <laughs> so. I've seen Pocahontas a lot, but I'm still like, mm, I don't... We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're going to get to that conversation when we get to that conversation. Well, yes, we're also going to get to it today a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway. So we're starting with Melody Time. Yes, we're doing another double feature today. Uh, this is the last of the World War II films. It's our, I think it's our last double feature, too. It is also our last double feature, yes. We'll be back. We'll be into the Silver Age, and we'll be back to features and shorts um, next week. But right now... We're going to start with Melody Time, which is another collection of shorts, much like Fun and Fancy Free. Oh, sorry, not Fun and Fancy More Free. More like um, Make My Music. Thank you. Yeah. If you can't find it, obviously, like, it is in the vault, so we'll summarize some of it and yeah. get into and some of the Yeah, and I think parts yikes. of them are available as shorts in other places. Yeah, yeah. Because it is... How many shorts? Eight shorts? Uh... I didn't count them up. <laughs> seven. Seven shorts. Um, and so I remember I mentioned this is one I watched when I was in elementary school, and I had always thought Johnny Appleseed was the last one, so when, like, it was number three, and I was like, wait, there must be more, I realized, duh, because that's when music class ended. Mm -hmm. Music class was not a full feature-length film length. So I don't know how much I've seen of the other ones. Um, some of them were more familiar than others, but yeah. And then you'd never seen this one? No, but I had seen um, the Johnny Appleseed short. Okay. Like, I remember, yeah, I, I watched it. I watched that short as part of a Johnny Appleseed lesson in elementary school. But we'll, we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, so that's the third one. Let's yeah. start with... Number one, uh, Once Upon a Winter Time, which is about cuffing season, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, it's cute. Um, There's a boy and a girl, and... They're on a sleigh ride, and their horses look have, like, swan necks and heads. Yeah, their horses were very oddly stylized. Yes. Um, also, it's interesting, I noticed the... We talked about, like, the simplicity of the faces in some of the shorts. They had that mm -hmm. similar style to the jazz mm -hmm. uh, well, short. Well, the, the girls did. But the boy had like true. kind of a like what you would think of as a mid-century Disney face, kind of like almost jowly cheeks, even though they're young, and the like the red button nose in the big eyes, yeah, like round eyes. That's true. That's true. Um, and then her face was very plain. Mm -hmm. Oh, their colors also I noticed were very different. 
they were in like these bright pinks and greens, whereas mm -hmm. most of the time when we see that we have seen our protagonists, they're in primary colors. Yeah. So this is an interesting shift away from that like red, yellow, blue mm -hmm. um, of our protagonists starting to mix our paint colors. Yeah. <laughs> so they are going ice skating and being all lovey dovey. Yeah, but then they get in a fight. And she's... And there are these bunnies. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Who bunnies. are, like, having the same relationship, basically. Yes. So and the B-plot is the bunny plot. Mm -hmm. And... It's basically it's the, same, the same, but they're bunnies. <laughs> and so the girls get mad, and they're starting to walk away, and they won't look at anything, even the thin ice sign. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get the idea, like, the girls are teasing, but then the guy gets, like, really mad, so then she gets really mad, and it's, like, one of those dumb bad communication things. Just talk to each other, you guys. Right? Right? <laughs> um, so, but it also kind of gives the vibe, like, this is a first date. Like, they're not in a committed relationship. They're just kind of, like, courting. Like I got the sense that, that it's, like, a new relationship and that this, like, that they've been seeing each other a while and this is their first, like, problem. Mm, that could be it. That could be it. Their that, first I don't know. fight. Yeah. Because, you know, cuffing season starts in the really starts in the fall. <laughs> mm. So, um, anyway, so they walk on thin ice. Yeah. And then the male bunny is trying to stop them. And so he gets frustrated that they don't see the sign, so he slams the sign into the ice. Which breaks the ice. Yep. <laughs> Surprise. Um, and of course, there's a waterfall. I know. Like, <laughs> like, waterfalls are, like, another one of those things, like, you know, quicksand is not as big a deal as you <laughs> as you think it is when you're a kid. Same thing with waterfalls. Yeah. Every river has a major waterfall. I know. It's like, every, why are these, like, supposedly, like, Midwestern towns all of a sudden Yellowstone? What, yeah. What's the river? Or Yosemite. I don't know. Like, when I lived in Idaho, most of the falls that I went to and saw were pretty gentle. Like, Mm -hmm. the, the falls in Idaho Falls, for example, are, mm -hmm. like, real chill. <laughs> I mean, surely you don't want to go off one of those falls anyway yeah. into a rocky bottom. Yeah, when it's win especially when it's winter time. And right. But, um, that was quite dramatic. Yes. <laughs> um, it was like, oh, and then they're miles down. And they came up with a big rescue thing with the horses and some squirrels. and Yeah, so the boy bunny and the boy both try to rescue the girl and the girl bunny mm -hmm. and fail miserably. And so the horses and the squirrels and the birds end up saving the girls. <laughs> Which was weird. A little odd. Um, but it was a nice, like, um... Twist isn't the right word, but it was, like, the unexpectedness yeah. of a short. And then the boys and the girls forgive each other, and mm -hmm. then they go back to the lovey-dovey stuff. Yeah, and then she kisses him on the cheek in the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And it's very cute. Do you remember the cuffing season stats meme from last year? Do not, no. Maybe that was a Utah Twitter thing. Probably. <laughs> yeah. So, like, people would list, like, okay, the new season is starting. What are your stats? <laughs> people would post things like their height and skills and stuff like that. Like, mine are different this year because I found out that I'm shorter than I previously thought. <laughs> so, I'm five foot one and I'm a good cook and, like, all that kind of stuff. So, hey, dudes. Hey, ladies. <laughs> oh, I love the animation on her hoop skirt for this. Yeah, time. that was fun. And they had, like, the different layers of crinolines falling down, yeah. too. And yeah, that was really cute. And again, we're seeing that um, turn of the century sort of like mm -hmm. fashion. And we actually, we see this throughout this film. Anytime yeah. there are people, animated people. Yeah. It's very turn of the century. Um, just like in Fun and Fancy Free. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. So, and then number two is called Bumble Boogie. It's like an orchestral arrangement of... Um, Flight of the Bumble. Yeah, it's kind of jazzy. Yeah. Which is fun and like... Instead of like on um, marimbas, it's on a, the mel the main melodies on a piano. I love that you did that motion, which is great for podcast audio. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I appreciated it Thank personally. You. Um, um, I'm just I'm just happy that I can you know move my hands like that without hurting fair. myself. That's fair. And you have a little bee who and like you, it's really abstract. It is. It's a very abstract piece, and it's just the bee, and they, like, open it with, like, this is a bumblebee who's escaping, like, a nightmare 
what no what they called it a infernal night no instrumental nightmare that was yeah. the word so like the flowers are closing up on him and mm-hmm. like at first it's kind of like flowers and other bugs but like they still have the form of flowers and other bugs but it's suddenly like um sheet music and like the um the piano keys or yeah, like a snake or like the hammers in the piano hitting the strings yeah so mentioned i watched this a lot when i was younger in elementary school uh fly the bumblebees gives me intense anxiety um so i like whenever i listen to my classical music station whenever fly the bumblebees comes on i'm like mm, nope can't do it i think it's this short i think <laughs> the problem is this short because this poor bumblebee is doing so like he's trying so hard yeah and just like everything is horrible for him i can understand that but <laughs> i really liked this arrangement of it like it was mm-hmm. it was fun <laughs> i i think if it wasn't such a stressful animated sequence specifically felt like a boss fight in a video game oh my gosh where, like it's just <laughs> different stage after different stage like the piano keys are like chasing him and they like start like it's like a bucking like inchworm yeah kind of thing. Yeah. And then it turns into like a cobra and then like falls apart and you're like, you did it. We won. But then it doesn't and it reforms into a new bigger form. And I was like, ah, this is the most stressful boss fight of my life. (laughs) (laughs) This is every Japanese role playing game I've ever played where the boss has 75 forms and it never ends. (laughs) So yeah. (laughs) That's how I felt about this chart. Yeah. I did love the colors though. More of those bright, vibrant colors. Yeah. That's about Uh, all I have for this Yeah. Me too. <laughs> I um, honestly don't have a lot of notes for this film overall. Yeah, me too. But I still, you know, we're gonna get, we're gonna get to stuff we have a lot to say. There are things we have a lot to say about. Um, um, start with Johnny Appleseed. Yeah, number three is the Legend of Johnny Appleseed, and I was surprised that I watched this in my public elementary school because the opening song about Johnny Appleseed is him singing about how the Lord's been good to him. Like, I'm not compl- I'm not complaining. I'm Christian, but <laughs> like I said, I'm surprised that I saw this in public school. <laughs> Yeah, it's a very... I was a private school kid, mm-hmm. so I'm not surprised I saw this in school. Yeah. Um, but they definitely did not uh, do anything to couch or limit Johnny Appleseed the missionary yeah. legend. Um, I noticed, too, like in the opening credits, they had a folklore consultant, yeah. which I'm guessing they used for this and the Picos Bill yeah. one. And I thought that was an interesting credit in the beginning. Yeah. Um, so when we meet Johnny Appleseed, he's picking apples and singing to the birds. Very Snow White. Yeah. Um, he's, like, talking to the birds, feeding the bees, and just having it, or, like... Well, it, we're getting the idea that he's a very gentle soul. Yes, very, um, if you are familiar with Christian lore, St. Francis. Yeah. Who's the guy who preached to animals, um, and it feels very Johnny Appleseed. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, the Bible tells him he preached the gospel onto every creature. Well, and I have, I have a photo, um, it's an old one of, like, I have my journal and my, my combination, uh, Bible Book of Mormon, etc. thing out, and um, it's got my cat Sushi like kind of with her paw on it like because she was trying to distract me and it's, and I posted it and I'm like well I guess cats need the gospel too <laughs> sure every creature is affected by this. so all you Christian furries out there that's <laughs> this is a chase call out <laughs> Well, I was calling out some other people, too, but I won't name them here. There was something else I did recently where I was like, God, I'm like a furry in denial. I don't remember what it was, but it was something Disney-related. But it was bad. The more we get into, like, the Silver Age, we're just going to keep dragging me and my love of anthropomorphic characters. Have you been Um, watching BoJack Horseman? No, I haven't. Um, I think that's a line that I'm afraid to cross. (laughs) It's so good, though. But I saw a really terrible Mr. Peanut Butter Fursuit online recently. <laughs> like, it's so bad, and it's very scary. <laughs> uh, so Johnny Appleseed <laughs> So he wants to be a pioneer, and it's this very romantic ideal of pioneering. Yeah. Um, and it made me think, like, we are, to get a little more serious, like, we're at the heart of American patriotism. Yeah. Like, this is the, like, 1950s. We're not quite in 1950. This is, what, 1948, 49? Yeah, it's the late, it's the late 40s, but when we're, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, post has been HUAC has been formed, but isn't yeah. at the height of its power yet. Right. So, th- a lot of, like, this and specifically the Pico Spill one, we're very, that, like, American spirit, American patriotism, yeah. romanticizing westward expansion. Yeah. And as, I don't know, as descendants of those people, it's like... <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of bad things with Western expansion. Yeah, um, and it doesn't address them, really. No. So, Johnny obviously wants to go west, but he is not the big, tough cowboy that goes west. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then an angel comes to him and says, all you need is faith and courage to be a pioneer, which I think I was taught a song, like, along, um, like, you don't have to push a handcart. <laughs> <laughs> Or walk a thousand miles or more. Like, it was about being a modern day pioneer's like, uh, but you do have to have great courage, faith to conquer fear, mm-hmm. and work with the might to do what's right to be a pioneer. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, like, that just kind of, like, drives home how deep-seated that idea of expansionism is in yeah. American culture. Like, right? Like, even, like, the 60s was the new frontier. Yeah. Like, space is our next place we're gonna expand and like that obviously hasn't happened yet but like once that becomes accessible I it really will be that same repeating of that like right to claim spaces which is unfortunate Um, yeah well and it made me laugh too because like I grew up hearing a lot of pioneer stories mm -hmm. and I remember there was one of a woman who she lost her feet due to frostbite while she was crossing the plains and it's like What's your excuse, Johnny Appleseed? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, Johnny Appleseed, like, puts aside his excuses. His Davy Crockett-style guardian angel. Yeah, and I I really liked how the narrator said something like, he looked just about as Johnny would have imagined he would, which (laughs) is is kind of fun, like the idea of personalized guardian angels. Yeah. So Johnny goes west um, with his Appleseed, his Bible, and his pot. For a hat. <laughs> yeah. Apparently that's something that he really did. Like, there's a um, a minor league baseball team in Indiana that's, like, named in his honor, and they're the South Bend, something like that, Tin Hats. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I remember, like, it's kind of weird. These are, like, some of the folklore stories we grew up that are explicitly American, yeah. not, like, European folklore. So, like, Johnny Appleseed, Picos Bill, Paul Bunyan, yeah. John Henry. Yeah. These are the things that kind of shape American culture. Yeah. And so it's kind of no surprise to me that, like, Johnny Appleseed, a guy who strikes out on his own to spread the gospel and agriculture, Mm -hmm. is, and, like, expanding westward is, like, something that we hold at the root of American consciousness. Yeah. Well, and it's, I think it's kind of funny, too, that, like, a guy who, for all we can tell, is basically, you know, of English descent, the, the religion that he was preaching was the New Church, which is, like, inspired by the writings of a Swedish Lutheran. Mm, interesting. Yeah, and, well, and that's kind of funny, because that's also kind of at the heart of, um, so, you know, many forms of, you know, they say the English language, you know, like, um, they corner other languages in dark alleys and <laughs> search their pockets for loose for loose vocabulary american christianity can kind of be that way too some of it is like just hodgepodges of other like more institutionalized churches you know barefoot preachers kind of gathering bits and pieces from different kinds of scholars and theologians and their own interpretations yeah i think that's i think that's true of like a lot of american religion too like even um wicca is like really on the rise right now and wicca is not an old religion it's a new religion that that's like pulled from scraps of culture and history yeah. and some Victorian lore that's really not as ancient as we pretend it is. Yeah. And so it's that similar idea where we like we like as Americans to pick and choose what is ours. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe that's <laughs> left over from English imperialism, because um, that is a lot of American root. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. But it is interesting to have that sort of just, this part I like and that part I don't. I made a joke the other day about like how my my Pinterest homeboard right now, it can't decide, (laughs) it can't decide if it thinks I'm Mormon or Catholic or Muslim. (laughs) Because like... And that's quite a spectrum to be on. It is, but that... But at the same time, it's not. It's very... Well, and, like, if you know me, you know that's very me. Yes, (laughs) yes. But that kind of... It's just... It's interesting the way that, like, we as American shape not just, like, our spirituality and religion, but, like, how we interact with the world and our culture. Yeah. This got a lot deeper Johnny Appleseed than I thought it would. Uh, this is about... No, this is where I saw this going. (laughs) (laughs) Not exactly, but I'm like... I know us. This we're That's we're fair. gonna talk. We're gonna talk about American religion. <laughs> That's fair. Um, so Johnny Appleseed makes friends with wild animals mm-hmm. and plants apple seeds. I made an interesting comment while we're watching it because all the things that apples make 
Um, and one of the things I make is applesauce. And I just like instantly remembered like 10 year old Chase being like, what is applesauce? I hate this thing. I don't understand what applesauce is. And just like the pieces fell into place. And I was like, oh my God, they're just saying applesauce. Why would I not like realize that? I felt very, very silly. Yeah, the, the, she, she, she was having a moment. <laughs> it was quite a moment. I thought I would have more of those. We talked about those last time with Fun Fancy Free. Those like, oh, I remember this like sudden like childhood moment. Mm -hmm. I really didn't. It was kind of like, actually, there's one with Pico's Bill. We'll mm -hmm. talk about that yeah. when we get there. Um, but other than that, it was just very like, okay, like this kind of feels vaguely familiar. Yeah. Not even nostalgic, just like I think I've seen this before. Yeah. So anyway, like people make apple food and share it. Um, mm -hmm. There's like a square dancing. Yeah. Did you thing? see the Indians? I did. Well, yeah. and and the Wikipedia page for Johnny Appleseed, it said that like he he did te he did teach and convert a lot of Native Americans, and that like I guess the lore goes that even the most hostile hostile tribes respected him and let him move across their land. Well, and it's amazing, like, what you can do when you're a single person interacting with a community mm -hmm. versus, like, institutionalized yeah. reorganization of land and, like, full communities taking over a space. And that's something that, like, I, I teach U.S. history, um, mm -hmm. and I've been helping a student cram for his exam. That's today, so good luck. But we were reviewing, like, everything last night to try mm -hmm. to, like, cram all yeah. of it in. And so we had to, like, go over the different colonies and, like, the Quakers are always unique in that they never, not never, that's the wrong word. Like, the Quakers weren't great. Like, colonists, colonism isn't great. Yeah. Um, but, like, the way that, like, one community tried to interact versus how everyone else interacted. Like, it's a huge difference between yeah. I want to live here and settle down on this land that isn't mine versus, like, hey, I'm passing through and I want to talk to you and be a part of your community. Yeah. It's just a totally different idea. And, like, I definitely don't want to get into the ethics of missionaryism right now on this podcast. Yes. <laughs> um, but what Johnny Appleseed does is very different from... Spanish conquistadors. Yeah. Like, do you know any, any Tongva people? Because I don't. And we live on Tongva land. <laughs> right. So that, like, I was not impressed with the way that the Native Americans were character designed and yeah. animated. That was quite unfortunate. But it was kind of nice to see that they were part of the, that community in the yeah. Johnny Appleseed short. Yeah. Just to, like, kind of a small nod to, like, Johnny Appleseed and what he did in the communities that he interacted with. Yeah. And then he goes across and he's, he's teaching and he's planting. We mostly see him planting and he's friends with all the animals until yeah. he's an old man and his beard is getting longer and longer. <laughs> and then he lays down under a tree. tree and falls asleep and, and then his angel comes back and says okay, get up! And then he just leaps out of his body and and he doesn't want to go to He doesn't want to go. He's like, I'm not done yet. I, there's a lot. There's so much planting and t tending to do. And he's like, well, you know, we've got some good stuff in heaven, but we're running a little short on apple seeds. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and so then they go off and they start singing about, you know, the Lord is good to me. And I, I really like that idea of there's work to do in heaven, too. Mm, that's an interesting concept. And in, in my theology, that's something that's that, that's something mm -hmm. that fits into my theology yeah. pretty well. Yeah. I think less so into mine. Mm -hmm. But. I think what's more interesting, the work we do in life is the work we do afterwards. Yeah. All puns intended, because I think this is a good metaphor, mm -hmm. the seeds we sow now are the seeds that we continue to sow yeah, or like reap. Yeah, like Johnny Appleseed, you know, he, you know, the idea is that you can't take it with you, but his spirit, his spirit form, he's got his book and he's got his seeds and he carries that with him. And his hat. And his hat, because he's ready to, he's ready to wander if he needs to. He wants to keep planting and he wants to keep teaching and in a way he kind of has. <laughs> yeah, like his impact is still important to like American yeah. culture and apples are still important to American culture, although <laughs> I think he'd be very disappointed with our delicious apples today. <laughs> oh yeah, no, red delicious and yellow delicious are gross and too soft. Like I don't know. I like I like a I like a firm texture. I like the tartness of Granny Smith. Mm -hmm. I like gala apples. I like mm -hmm. Fuji apples. I'm too poor to buy uh, Jazz or Pink Lady very often, but they are also very good. Those are all good. I also really love Honeycrisp. Ooh, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I like to make my um, apple crumbles out of. Mm -hmm. So that's Johnny Appleseed. Yeah. Um, we just talked a lot about that one. Yeah, number four is <laughs> um, Little Toot. I have two notes about this one. That's it. So Yeah, uh, I took a little more, like, just basic things, and so... It's the Andrew sister singing the story about yes. about a little baby tugboat. Um, he's out with his dad, 
who is tugging up the big ocean liners in what appears to be New York Harbor. Yeah, at some large city port. Mm-hmm. And he is a little prankster tugboat. Yeah. And, and he's just trying to have fun and be good, but then he, and like, he capsizes his dad first, which... Yeah, it was not great. And you could tell that he's kind of a juvenile delinquent because he knows, knows to hide from cops. Mm-hmm. One of the things I noticed, too, like, in, whenever he, like, does these shenanigans, like, his dad, like, gets angry, but then, like, smiles. And, like, even the cop tugboat, when mm-hmm. he, like, went by Johnny's place, he was, like, all angry. But as soon as he was past it, he was, like, smiling, like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. little too, gets into trouble, it's what he does. Mm-hmm. But it's all harmless. I, until. Until. He tries to help his dad out, and they end up, like, spinning yeah. a ocean liner into the city, onto yeah. the shore, and moves moves some skyscrapers out of place. Yeah. And, Pretty and so, bad mistake. And so he's going to jail, which means he's set adrift, basically. They take yeah. him into international waters, and they set him adrift, which seems... <laughs> harsh for a child. Yeah, and his, and his dad loses his job. He's pulling a garbage boat. Yeah. From, from either to or from Staten Island, depending on what kind of jokes you want to make. Um, <laughs> so, little Johnny, whoa, little Johnny, little, little tug, toot, little toot, um, is all by himself. And he gets into trouble. Um, I wasn't totally clear on like. N- I think they're just continuing to shame him. It reminded me so like the the buoys are like angry oh, yeah. with him and yelling at him. He's a bad boy, yeah. and like that was that was spooky. It was. It reminded me of um, the Lion King too. The deception, disgrace, mm-hmm. that was part of the whole movie. <laughs> um, but anyway, so he ends up in a storm, mm-hmm. um, and he finds an ocean liner that's been stranded on the rocks, mm-hmm. and so he sends an SOS and tries mm-hmm. to pull it out, but then the other boats can't get to him because the storm is too strong, mm-hmm. and then he almost dies, and you think that little Toot's dead, but he's not, and he's fine, and he mm-hmm. tags the ocean liner home, and he's a hero. Mm-hmm. Yay! Yay! Yeah, my two notes on this, though, literally, it's just like, we... Like, tell these stories where, like, the moment you grow up is a moment. Everyone has, like, a moment of heroism. And I was like, oh, that's not how life works at all. Which is just kind of interesting. That, like, dramatic act of bravery Mm -hmm. is what pushes little two from, like, childhood to adulthood. Mm -hmm. Which was odd. Not odd. That's totally normal storytelling. Yeah. It's just, like... It didn't... I was like, oh, yeah, this doesn't resonate with me yeah. at all. But, yeah, that's yeah. literally all I wrote for this show. Yeah. Number five is trees. I have no notes. <laughs> um, it's I, basically, like, it's it's the poem, like, um, I shall never see a poem as lovely as a tree set to music. And then there's, like, these pretty scenes with trees and rain and animals. Mm-hmm. And, and that's literally it. But I loved the animation. Yeah, it's one. very pretty. But it's, it's gorgeous. a little boring. Um, it, it's very dull. But, like, there's no lines. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more like an animated painting. Yeah. Um, the light and shadow in this piece is just absolutely stunning. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's very, very pretty. Yeah. Uh, the next one's much more fun. Yeah, blame <laughs> it on the samba. And, um... Featuring the return of Jose de Carioca, yes. which I love. <laughs> so, uh, it's Donald and Jose. They're feeling real sad. So they go to Café Jo Samba. And the Arucan is the maitre d', the host, the, you know, he's running the place. And you might that remember that. Trickster bird. Yeah, that silly Arucan. And it's very, he's a very, very prankster character. Lots of breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. Uh, this felt very Looney Tunes, actually. Yeah. Um, and um, he gets the samba going. And so he's dancing and Donald's dancing and Jose is dancing. Uh, then they end up doing some dancing on a piano, live uh, action. It's inside. an organ, actually. Oh, sorry. Did you see she was it playing was with her organ. feet? It was an organ. You're right. You're right. And they had she some was- really good, like, it was better than in um, than in Three Caballeros, I yes, think. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, because it was just, like, some fun little gags as she's playing music and singing. <laughs> there was no, like, flirting. There yeah. There was no, like, there was just some gags and, like, the Articon shenanigans, like, putting dynamite under the organ or, like... And then she keeps playing even though it's yeah, blown up. And... Yeah. So it was... It was a really, really fun short with uh, mm-hmm. some good samba music mm-hmm. and... And um, I don't think I've told this story yet, but I showed my dad, who um, lived in Brazil for a while, mm-hmm. and showed him, like, the um, Saludos Amigos and Three Caballeros with Jose Carioca. And, like, mm-hmm. he would, like, translate some of the bits and ah, uh, some of the things that he was saying. And he was like, you know what? He doesn't sound like a Carioca. <laughs> he sounds like a Palistano. Okay, there's a difference. Um, so a Palisto is somebody from the state of Sao Paulo. Okay. And if you're from the city of Sao Paulo, you're a Palestano. Okay. And he's like, no, he sounds like a Palestano. 
And I looked it up, and the actor who voiced him is, in fact, ah, a Palestino. <laughs> that's great. Because the accents are a little bit different between the two cities. Mm. Okay. That's fun. So he's not really the karaoke. <laughs> exactly. But it was fun. And, like, I yeah. got a real sense. That, like, there are some designy things there, like, with bubbles and some of the gags. And for some reason, I was like, this is Mary Blair's funny side. Mm. Like, we know her. Like, she's most known for, like, her, her pretty things, her, mm-hmm. her pretty designs, her dainty designs. And I don't know how much big a hand she had in this. But for some reason, it just really felt like her. And it was mm. her being silly. That's fun. Yeah. I, I don't know if we'll ever know, but... I don't, I don't know. Like, I just got a real sense yeah, of, sense of her. It's cool. mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. And it was, it was a fun song. And yeah. All right. Our last one is Pecos Bill. We might talk about this one for a while. Yeah. So it, it's, it's long. Um, it was, well, it was the longest short, I think. It was. It, so it starts with live action. Yeah. And so you got a really pretty animated desert scene in Arizona. And I love the scribble, like the tumbleweeds scribbles. Yeah, it was cute. And then we go into a live-action cowboy scene, which was in it accurate because everyone was white. Yeah, they're they're not cowboys; they're a band. They're yeah, the it, sons it's of the pioneers. Yeah, <laughs> and then Roy Rogers, who's you know the singing cowboy. Yeah, and two kids. It's um, it's Luana Patton um, from Fun and Fancy Free, same little and, girl. and some little boy, and some annoying little boy, annoying little boy. God, I looked at that kid's face, and I was like, "This kid, great. This kid's an asshole." <laughs> <laughs> and then he like threw the lasso at the girl and I was like, yeah, I called it. God, you just had a, can't say that one, but he had a smile that was not okay with me. But anyway. Um, what they call an um, SEG. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I'm abbreviate it that way. Yeah. Maybe it's it was just the teacher in me who like knew like. You, you're in trouble. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like you know, you know that meme of like the little girl when there's like a, the building's on fire and she just is giving the camera that look. <laughs> yeah. Like you get used to seeing that look every single day as a teacher. <laughs> like yep. it would be disturbing if you didn't just get desensitized to it so quick. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so the girl asks why the coyotes howl at the moon. And so Roy it's, Rogers launches into the story of Picos Bill. He says Picos. I've always heard it Pecos. Oh, interesting. I don't know which one it is. Yeah. But anyway, it goes, Bill. We go back into the animation, and we see more pioneers crossing the plains. Mm-hmm. Well, um, they're probably going to California. Probably. Because it's far south, and it bounces, bounces, bounces over the rocks, and the baby falls out. And that baby is Bill, and mm-hmm. he gets raised by wolves. Coyotes. Coyotes. It's, it's, all, it's, it's so funny to me, the, like, how it got anglicized to coyote. How do you get coyote from coyote? You put a white person in it. Like, I guess how so. How do you get buckaroo from vaquero? You ask white people. <laughs> That's true. Well, but the one that I hate, I hate most, I'm fine saying coyote. I hate coyote so bad. I hate coyote. I really do. Mm-hmm. I really, really hate it. Yeah, coyote. But that may be, maybe because we're Californian. Yeah. And we live in the foothills. So. so we see them all the time. Yeah. It's not just like a word you read in a book. It's, it's like it's not the, the it's, animal that It's not you... the worst reference we're going to make to Texas today. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> oh, man. I have like a 45-minute lecture on Texas. Oh, and boy. And it's not great. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I have family in Texas. Me too. Uh, so that makes it okay, right? <laughs> we love you, but your state has problems. <laughs> so anyway, um, Bill gets a horse... Uh, he rescues it from a pack of 50 vultures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, that, that was fun because he punched the feathers off of all the vultures. Yeah, that was actually really cute. And then, and then they, like, they, they come up from the feathers and there's a horse and his boy and they're friends now and they have matching shiners from yeah, the fight. Yeah, it was actually really cute. And then he becomes a cowboy. And he, they tell some legends about how he... He made the Gulf of Mexico by dragging rain from California. 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 Oh, they show this, like, map of the United States, and Texas is half of it. Yeah. It's literally half the map is Texas and all the other states, including the state of Milwaukee. And (laughs) Florida and Gaga, Georgia. Um are, like, pushed and, like, squished together on the edges of the map, which I thought was very funny and very Texas. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so, you know, Gulf of Mexico, dragon rain from California to Texas, like, mm-hmm. he was thirsty, so he drew the Rio Grande from a well, and they were... Yeah, he literally, like, dragged a stake um, and made mm-hmm. the Rio Grande. And I don't remember exactly what made me comment on that, made me come up with this phrase, I'm like, something going on here is, like, it's toxic Texanity. <laughs> Yeah, Texas likes to think that they're, A, the original Texans, which they're not. They aren't. At all. No. Um, and 
be that they're somehow better than everyone else because they're the only state to have been its own country, which is untrue. True. California was its own was its own republic for like eleven days. Six days. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Like, but. well, clearly Texas is wrong because that the, the really it's California. Yeah. That's the best, right? <laughs> we say it's California. We say it's Californians. <laughs> but I mean, like, we have an economy that could be its own nation. That's so, true. Like, mm-hmm. so. Anyway, anyway, I'm surprised California hasn't left the union yet. Honestly, California yeah. will secede before Texas. I'm w- calling it now. It, it will, and it will be a better independent country than Texas. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway. <laughs> well, and see, and the problem is, is that the county that I live in would probably secede from California to remain <laughs> in the union, which is frustrating because I am on the border. I could live in L- I could live in LA County if I was like three miles over, and then I would be safe in California. <laughs> um, anyway, he is described as a Western Superman, and we should probably not skip over his third oh, great claim to fame oh gosh. in building yeah. Texas is that Pico's Bill made the the painted mountains? The painted desert, painted I think is what desert, I called. that's right. By um, shooting up Indians so bad that they jumped out of their war paint. Yeah. That was it was so bad. bad. It was really <laughs> long, too. And, like, it, like, it was totally unprovoked. He just went and started shooting. Yeah, no, so it started off with, like, is, like, the Native Americans doing a war dance and slapping paint on each other? And we're like, it was, oh, oh, this is bad. bad. And then it was Pico's Bill. And then he just started shooting them up. And we were like, ah, like, this was, like, really he, bad. He was on, like, a high vantage point. Like, and he, had like, had two two guns. Oh. And it's like, oh, this is bad. This is really bad. This is terrible. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it was just bad. It was not great. Um, I was wondering, like what they were gonna do with like were they gonna mention Native Americans at all in like these westward expansion shorts and I almost wish they hadn't. Yep. <laughs> Quite unfortunate. Yep. And then after he's and oh yeah and he like shot all the stars out of the sky except for one because Texas oh. is the lone star state. Yeah. No Texas when are you guys <laughs> gonna realize that people need each other and like Texas needs the other states. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really does. Yep, and the only true Tejana te- is Selena. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alright, so that, oh, well that's only half the short. Yeah, um. <laughs> and then um, and then there's a girl. Did you notice that all of the women that we saw, all these pretty women have red hair and blue eyes? I did notice. Mm-hmm. It was an interesting look. It was, like, it doesn't get it doesn't get wider than that, right? <laughs> right. So, this is the moment where I was like, Ah, I remember this from childhood mm-hmm. specifically. And it was when Sue comes down the river on the fish. I was like, this is the image that has stayed with me. Ah, yes, that gay awakening. Sue is my gay awakening. And I didn't even know until this moment. Um, I love her. Yes, um, she's pretty great. She's better than Bill in every single way. absolutely better than Bill. And, yeah. and the um, horse hates her. Yeah. Which is dumb. Um, so the horse is uh, real jealous of Sue and how much Bill loves Sue. And so when they plan to get married, she's like, I'm going to get married on horseback. And for some reason, she's like, I have to get married on your horse. Because she is an amazing cowgirl. And she saw that horse and she was like, I'm going to own my man's horse because she knew that horse was mm-hmm. bad news. Yeah. Um, and she would have, too, if she Except- hadn't wanted to wear a bustle as well. Yep, and so he bucked her so hard, she flew into space, and Bill couldn't lasso her right, because the horse was standing on the rope. Yeah, so Bill lost his love, because his best friend in the whole world Mm -hmm. cheated him. And put her on the moon, and he gets so, he left society, and Mm -hmm. he howls at the moon when he sees his lost love, and that's why coyotes howl. And that's the end of the whole movie. Yep, that's it. That's it. That's the end. Um, and we're, you, one funny thing. Oh, mm-hmm. I have one funny note, which is his horse is an ass. Um, <laughs> hey! um, but the bar he's standing in before he gets married to her is called the Last Chance Bar. I saw that. Yes. Yeah. Yay! Straight humor. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was really. I, I guess I'm just kind of like not confused by the ending. I guess confused on how to feel because yeah. like I want to be angry with the horse. 
But the narrative doesn't shame the horse. He's still with Bill yeah. at the end of the short. And then I'm like, okay, so is the narrative shaming her for wearing the bustle? But it doesn't really seem to. Like, it's yeah, never it's like... it's just like, this is just what happened, you guys. Yeah. This, this just happens sometimes. And it's just like, I was like, okay, so why do I have to make, like, a moral narrative out of it? I'm like, well, because it is, like, an American well, legend. Well, see, because... It doesn't blame anybody because now he has his... Now Pecos Bill has his man pain. Mm. She Like, her being gone is just the necessary step to him still being a legend. Mm. That makes sense. That's unfortunate. Yeah. It's just, like, she's pretty and she's great, but she's also disposable because she's a woman. Yeah. So... Only it... Only it's, she's been it, fridged on the moon. <laughs> yes! Exactly. Um, but also, she probably, like, you know, turned the moon into a paradise or whatever, like, but we never get that narrative. Oh, yeah, I bet she's out there, like, turning aliens into cowboys, just like her. <laughs> Final thoughts. Do you like this or Make My Music Better? I think I like to Make My Music Better. Okay. I think this one had more fun narrative shorts. Yeah, it did. I don't know, though. Animation-wise, I definitely preferred Make My Music. What was your favorite short? For this in, one? Yeah. Um, no. Ooh, that's a good question. I hadn't even thought about it. Mm, probably blame it on the samba. Yeah. I really like Jose de Carioca mm -hmm. a lot, and it's the least uncomfortable yeah. <laughs> um, of all of them. Yeah. I did really like the tree poem. Yeah. Um, if that was a standalone short, I would watch it all the time. Yeah. Mine was probably, like, I really enjoyed Blame It on the Samba, but, mm -hmm. like, Johnny Appleseed, like, even with its problems, it's like... Yes. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think like, that's probably my there, there, there are pro there are there are myriad problems with Ameri with American Christianity, but like yeah. this was like this is the best of my American Christianity. <laughs> yeah, I think that's something that we have to wrestle with in adulthood. Like the things that we love as a child are still good. Yeah. They just when you stack them together, they can have bad implications. And yeah. I think that's something we're probably gonna talk a lot about as we dig into the Silver Age and we hit more of the princess films. Yeah. Like you can still enjoy... I'll use what we've already watched, which is Snow White. Like, Snow White is still an enjoyable film. Despite its... But when you <laughs> stack all ten princesses, or I guess not really the first three princesses, when you stack them like that, it creates a consistent narrative, which makes it hard to enjoy one piece. So, like, mm -hmm. Johnny Appleseed on its own is a really beautiful short, <laughs> but stacked and put in context, it has problems, I yeah. guess. So, I think that's something that's hard to deal with as an adult. Um, yeah. And it's like, yeah. and it's the problem of like either the I, I've I've framed I framed a lot of these Disney things of like, oh yeah, like how is this going to be with my kids? Even though that's mm -hmm. a long time away sure. at this point, it's like, well, you know, if you show these kinds of things to your kids, at what age do you start talking about the bad stuff? And I think right. some parents they either didn't know or didn't care or they just didn't know how yeah or when yeah and that's you know that, those are problems that every parent deals with in some form it's, absolutely yeah and yeah i don't know what i'm gonna do but yeah. you know like i said that's a long time away right and i guess like so ultimately like it's okay to enjoy the things for what they are yeah um you don't have to dislike it because of its context yeah sometimes like the context is enough that you are like you know what i used to enjoy this and i can't anymore yeah that's okay too but Enjoy what you can. Yeah. I think I just tweeted uh, a friend the other day. I was like, it's there. Things exist to enjoy. So enjoy them. Like, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. So we did, um, you mentioned we watched another short. So this yeah. film came with three shorts on the DVD in addition, and we watched one of them. Yeah, while well, we waited for our tea to steep. <laughs> um, and it is called... Uh, Casey Bats Again. Thank you. I was like, it's not called Casey at the Bat. So we watched Casey at the Bat last time. Um... And as part of Make My Music. Mm -hmm. And so there's a sequel called Casey Bats Again about how... What happens after that. Yeah. So, like, immediately after he strikes out, he's like, okay. And then his little wife comes up with her <laughs> red hair and her blue eyes. Yes. And says, guess what? I'm pregnant. And he's so happy because he, and he, like, goes to the bar and passes out cigars. He's like, I'm going to be a daddy. There's going to be another Casey to, um, you know, clean up the family honor, be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, two things. One, all of the boys actually are blonde with blue eyes, now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, so, mm, interesting. Yeah. Um, they changed the Mudville colors. They used to be purple. Oh, yeah. And now it was like... They're lime green now. Yeah. I don't understand why. I miss the purple. I don't know. But anyway. But uh, Casey Bats, again, is 1954, so... Okay, so it's we're jumping ahead a little bit. Yeah. And oh. so and so he the baby's born, and he's so excited. The kid's a natural at baseball. And then 
and it doesn't take until he and, and until he he doesn't realize when he changes the diaper it's a girl yep he assumed the baby would be a boy but it's a girl <laughs> but she's pregnant again and it's triplets they're all girls and then eventually <laughs> and then uh he has nine girls he has nine daughters and he's so upset about it yeah until and then like i don't remember who it was tells him it's like casey one of his friends one of his friends is like you need to pay more attention to what's happening in your house yeah because these girls are like they're turning their household chores into playing baseball together and they're really good yeah um, <laughs> and, and so nine he's like is what you need to to yeah takes nine to play to, to yeah you, you need nine for a baseball baseball team and he's like happy again because he's like okay i can make my daughters a baseball team and he makes his daughters into a baseball team and he, he tries to make it all about himself yeah and he's like a um you know he's a, he's the manager he's the coach and like he has a jersey that says like manager coach father yeah which is cute and then they go all the way to the um the lady the lady league championships mm-hmm. and then um it's tied up like it's almost tied up like they're one down yeah. at the bottom of the ninth and they they listed off some of the girls names like i remember there was like a colleen and elaine and then uh patsy mighty patsy's coming up to bat yeah and then all of a sudden she's pulled out and then you see casey in a wig <laughs> he wants to he wants to do it because he's afraid that like his daughters won't succeed and he has to be the one to save the day and he's miserable and doesn't and, and he patsy her, comes yeah. in at the last minute just before he strikes out, <laughs> and they both run the bases. Yeah. It was actually, it was really cute. Yeah, it was. And the design was really cute. I I liked it a lot better than the original. Yeah. Because it was, a, like, it, sh- it, like, it revealed him to be, this, you know, to be the sad dude that we kind of assumed that he was yeah, in the beginning. Yeah. That, like, he cared more about the glory of baseball than actually playing baseball. Right, right. And he cl- cared more about his own glory than, yeah. like, letting his daughters do something great and he probably would have done well he might have done the same thing if he had had nine sons it's but true. we don't know that yeah but i think that it's very likely that, yeah that, um, he, that he would have trusted his yeah. sons yeah and i think it's this like interesting like his kids are good at baseball because he was good at baseball like that's mm-hmm. not i think the narrative kind of highlights like no casey is good at baseball mm-hmm. he's just caught up in himself yeah and, yeah so it was a nice short it, it was, was. um i'm glad we watched it me too so um, if you've been listening, um, we're almost at an hour of talking. Oh my gosh, and we still have another movie to watch. <laughs> yeah, um, so feel free to take this one in two parts. We're gonna have a long episode. Yeah. Um, so we're about to go watch Adventure Ichabod and, and Mr. Toad. Toad. Um, who, I've never seen it before. I have seen them as individual shorts, but not together. And okay. it, I think it's just the two of them. Okay. There might there might be other stuff. But All right. Well, I'm excited. Me too. Let's go do it. All right. We will see you on the uh, other side of the music. Other side of the music. Yeah. Welcome back. Welcome back. So we just finished Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, and um, that was fun. Yeah, it was. Um, I ended up like, I think I do this with movies when I'm watching it for the first time. I take less notes because I'm like just kind of enjoying the experience of Uh watching it. But it was fun. Um, Have you read Wind in the Willows? I have not. Okay, so I've read Wind in the Willows, but I hadn't seen the movie. And it's actually pretty close. I thought it would deviate a lot more, but it was actually pretty close. Yeah, so it kind of follows uh, Mr. Toad, who is a young inheritor of a wealthy estate and a wild cat at that. Live in La Vida ADHD. (laughs) (laughs) Very much so. Um, Getting into trouble and costing a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And coming up with a new thing he's obsessed with every day. (laughs) Yeah. So the big obsession of this story is that he wants an automobile. And he ends up trading his whole estate for an automobile. Which he's then accused of stealing. Because it was a stolen automobile. But mm-hmm. it was stolen by the weasels, because they're bad. Um, and so he gets thrown in prison. <laughs> yep. Um, and then his friends help him. His friends, um, the rat. Ratty and Mole. River rat, mole, and a badger. Mm-hmm. Um, those are all book characters, and they're all pretty true to their book character counterparts. Is Cyril in the book? I don't remember Cyril from the book. 
kind of a cockney horse. Yeah, he's like Toad's partner in crime. <laughs> yeah, I really don't remember Cyril. My main thing I remember is when Toad breaks out of prison, and this is why I think Cyril's in addition, <laughs> he doesn't have a friend who helps him break out. Mm. He actually woos the daughter of the jailkeeper who brings him food. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Um, which, like, I got this vibe when reading the book, and this film does an interesting job of world building, where, mm-hmm. like, your protagonists are all animals, but there are also humans in the world just living alongside mm-hmm. the animals. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it was interesting they didn't make the animals, like, human-sized. Mm-hmm. Like, well, eventually, like, in Robin Hood, right? Like, yeah. they're essentially people, but they mm-hmm. just are animals mm-hmm. also. But these ones are, like, they're animals... And they're animal-sized, living alongside human-sized people, which is odd. Mm-hmm. Um, but it made for some fun world stuff, like Toad Hall is built for people, and so they're, like, climbing on large furniture. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was fun. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. And I loved that um, the prosecutor in the trial, he was just, like, just very silly, serious, if yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And then uh, when Cyril's on the stand, he was, like, you know, like, Cyril's, like, Oh yeah, he does it the only way, and on you know he does it the same way any gentleman would, the honest way. And what is the honest way? I knew you wouldn't know that. <laughs> that was very cute. That was a good zinger. It was really good. And um, you might recognize this guy in Mr. Toad's Wild Ride as uh, the devil. Yes, and the judge who sends him the, which is weird because he's just the prosecuting lawyer, not the judge in the yeah. film. Otherwise, the ride felt a lot like the film. It does, which um, is why I like it so much. Yeah. I like the ride a lot because it's... it's fun. But I, t- I still don't know why the ride has hell in it. The... I know. I don't understand. I kept waiting for there to be, like, a part like that, but there wasn't at There's all. not. It's just, at the end, it's hell for some reason. Yeah. Um, and it's hot. <laughs> the story itself felt, like, very Disney mm-hmm. um, in terms of story. So, like, okay, so one of the things, like, I kept obviously comparing it to the book... Which is very much, like, you can probably gather from the story, about a young sort of English inheritor who doesn't know how to spend his wealth and he spends it in in a destructive way and has to learn his lesson and grow up a little bit. And they kind of do that, but then they totally subvert it at the end where the narrator's like, don't you admire people like Toad? And, like, he didn't... Change it. You know, he, he's a new toad, a reformed toad, a repentant toad, and then, boom, he busts in with an airplane. Yeah. And then, like, the narrator himself is just like, oh, like, don't judge him harshly. I'm like, oh, because the whole point of the book is to judge him harshly. Yeah. Um, but that's very, like, a Disney thing, and I was also thinking, like, we've been talking about American folklore. It's mm-hmm. a very American thing. Mm-hmm. Like, the adventurous spirit, the, like, exploration, the risking things. It's very... Mm-hmm. Very, very part of our culture. Um, And it seems to be, like, something that I could see Disney himself admiring. Mm -hmm. That energy and creation, which can be destructive. Yes. (laughs) Um, I think you have a very big point about Toad being ADD. (laughs) Anything else fun for this one? Oh, we both, we noticed uh, Mole, no, Badger, is the return of the Thrifty Scott trope. Yep. And um, I just, the whole time, I was just, I kept having those moments of, oh, this is is something from my childhood. Mm. I know this. So, yeah. I, okay. Do you know why bartenders look like that bartender? I do not. Me neither. I was trying to look it up while you're watching, but they all have that handlebar mustache and then the striped apron. Yeah. And, and I liked how Winky, when he was on the stand, he was he was wiping down the the witness yes. box like it was a bar. Yeah, I thought that was a fun touch. Okay. One final yeah. note. Um, I sorted them into Harry Potter houses. Of course you did. Ratty is definitely a Slytherin. He's your posh English gentleman. And Badger is, like, the one who keeps track of the house and the mm-hmm. money. He's your Ravenclaw. And then Maul is very mm-hmm. fun and loyal. He's a Hufflepuff. And Toad is 100% a Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. I just, like, watching all four of them, I was like, hmm, yes. <laughs> These Harry Potter tropes stay with me. Yep. Um... Yeah, it was really fun. I really liked the um, story. I liked the softer colors and the yeah. stylized characters. Oh, yeah, we didn't say it. Basil Rathbone does the narration. Yes, yes, this one is done by Basil Rathbone. Um, Ichabod is uh, the next one. Yes, narrated by Bing Crosby. Yes. Um, here's a question. If you were to cast any actor in the world to play Ichabod Crane, who comes to mind? I mean... I really like the guy they picked for that Sleepy Hollow TV show. Ooh. <laughs> but, um, who are you thinking? 
I mean, just looking at his character design, he kind of looks like Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but his American accent is terrible. Yeah, yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch has a really bad American accent. Yeah. No, it's not great. But, like, they're, like, they spend the whole opening montage of, like, how odd Ichabod looks. He's too, he's so tall and he's skinny. He's too tall, too skinny, with shoes like shovel or feet like shovels. Um, and he's very effeminate. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was very much like, mm-hmm, you are Benedict Cumberbatch, 50 years before Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was also a fun short. Um, mm-hmm. An interesting choice... In terms of, like, a fun Disney short, we're going to pick a classic American horror story. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was still fun. I enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, it was. I really liked uh, Bing's narration. And the, yeah. He did the good singing. It is, um, you know, he's got that great baritone bass sound. And, you know, there are some really good gags and um, with Ichabod and eating. and <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was really funny. He, like, is nice to the students whose parents cook well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I was like, oh, that's something I could pay attention to. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the scene where after, like, he's in love with Katrina and the kids are, like, tearing up the classroom and he just, like, fake book with, like, his gloves holding the book up and then he's just daydreaming about Katrina. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, those are teacher goals. Yeah. (laughs) Sitting behind your desk doing nothing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Never happens, but you can daydream. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so I actually liked the rival guy uh, up until the dance. Yeah, Brombone. Brombone. He was actually, like, he was really cool and he was friendly and, like, I had no reason to dislike yeah. him at all until the dance when he was, like, a big jerk to the girl. Oh, yeah. To the, uh, the mm-hmm. less cute girl. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I was like, wait, no, he's actually, like, a pretty cool guy. I don't understand why you're trying to make me like Ichabod Crane, who, like... Manipulates his students and... And, is... it, and likes <laughs> Katrina for her money as much as yeah. for her prettiness. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they definitely did a good job setting Ichabod Crane up as a dual character. So you were, like, on one hand rooting for him, but not too disappointed by the end of the story. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so they go to the Halloween party and, like, I enjoyed the um, song. Mm-hmm. It was a lot more poppy than mm-hmm. I would expect for a spooky song about a headless horseman. But it's Bing. But it's what? Bing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but it was a lot of fun. Um, it was a good short. Much more of that um, American literature. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. Um, it's a, it's a good, it's a good quick watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's you can rent it on iTunes and Amazon and yeah. stuff now. Yeah. So. This one is not in the vault. Uh, did you notice the Katrina, her design, is very much a Cinderella precursor. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, even her dresses. Yeah, and she had the choker on. She's very... I was like, ah, mm-hmm. we're gonna, guess who's next? Yes. <laughs> um, although, okay, so the narration described her as plump. And I was like, mm, her waist is the size of my pinky. I mm-hmm. don't think so. <laughs> uh, she's busty, but uh, she not plump. <laughs> we weren't quite into the 50s when, um, you know, not stick thin. Like, the only time in Hollywood not stick thin, it was acceptable. And Other than that, I actually really enjoy I don't think I have anything to complain about for this one. Yeah. Like, I, I really enjoyed Ichabod going through the forest. It was nice and spooky. Yeah, and they did, the, the sound effects were really good. Yeah. Yeah, they did a really good job with sound effects in this one. And so, do you think the Headless Horseman was really Brom? Um, no, because then Brom would be a murderer, and that would make me sad. Because mm-hmm. I actually liked him for most of the film. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, like, there's nothing wrong with him until he starts to, like, be a jerk to the less cute girl at the dance mm-hmm. and, like, pretend to dance with her just to get her with Ichabod. Yeah. But otherwise, he was, like, a decent guy. He's yeah. just, like, the popular guy. Yeah. The, like, there's no reason for Ichabod and him to not get along except that he's, like, the head honcho in town and Ichabod's the new... And Katrina seems to like him, but, like, it said pretty clearly that she just likes to flirt with everybody. Yeah, and she, like, it's not so much that she likes Ichabod, she just likes that Ichabod stands up to Brom, so she has options. Mm-hmm. Like, that's yeah. literally it. Yeah. She's not the greatest character in this story. No, she's not. <laughs> I guess I guess none of them are, I guess. Yeah. I guess that's true of most American romantic shorts. Probably um, romantic, I just mean romance, period. Um, I think Washington Irving falls into the romances. I think so. But, um, he might be a little earlier. But either way, like, all three of our protagonists are flawed Mm -hmm. in 
kind of unforgivable way, I suppose. Yeah. But it was still a fun story. Yeah. A nice um, opening into Halloween spook month. Yeah. And then I like at the end when um, Bing's like, man, I'm getting out of here because it got spooky again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was cute. Have you... Did you go to... Did you have a pass last year? I did. So did you get to see last year's Halloween um, installment at California Adventure of the Headless Horseman? No. It's very good and very spooky. Um, I'll take pictures next time. Okay. Um, but so if you guys uh, want to go to Disney California Adventure, they have like a Headless Horseman installment and it laughs in the middle of the night and there's fog and it glows. Nice. It's creepy. Um, yeah, it's my favorite decoration from last year. I'm glad they brought it back this year. But Good. Um, and so what do we have coming up next week? Next week is Cinderella. Woo-hoo! Woo! We are in the Silver Age. <laughs> and what's the short? I don't think we've decided on this. Sh- oh, no, we're doing the Old Mill, which is one I've been excited for. It's a little um, early for to pair with Cinderella. Yeah. But it is a classic and one that I've been wanting to watch. It's one of my favorites um, from a technical standpoint. So I'm really, really excited. So we're going to watch the Old cool. Mill. And then we'll watch Cinderella. Um, and we'll see you guys next week for that. Um, in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Drawn Outcast. Um, and me at Chaser Tiff. And me at Brooke and Mimi. Um, we're now on Spotify and Google Play um, and iTunes. So, so rate and review us. We're applicable. Yeah. Um, seriously, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you get your podcast from another app, which would be weird because then I don't know how you're listening to us if we're only on these four places. But if there's another place, uh, let us know. Um, Podbean's really great about getting us connected onto other apps and stuff. Um, so I'm looking to expand. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Um, and you can always email us at drawnoutcast at gmail.com. Love to hear from you and your thoughts on Disney movies or tweet at us, whichever. It's all good. Yeah, it is all good. So someone sent me a sign-off. Yeah? Yes. So this is a potential sign-off. Mm-hmm. And maybe too much. Sketch you later. Oh my gosh. <laughs> It's pretty bad. It is. <laughs> I don't think I could do it every week. No, I would, I would, I was just I was just gonna do this has been a drawn out closing. Bye. <laughs> Again. This podcast is in no way affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its subsidiaries. The views expressed in this podcast by its hosts and its guests belong solely to those people and are not in any way representative of Disney nor any of our employers. Thanks for listening.